you know, it's not all priests in Miami. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we haven't gone to that yet. Oh, my gosh. The, the summer, summer of, of scandal. scandal. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Miami. Uh, uh, South Beach. Bring it here. Uh, scandal. So, priests in Miami doing some horrible things. <laughs> Where angels fear to tread. <laughs> Welcome to Miami. <laughs> oh man! So, so just to highlight our our news week this week in the summer of scandal. Two Roman Catholic priests from the Archdiocese of Chicago were found out down in Miami. Two cops were pulling people over for a car accident. Thought their vehicle was a part of it. Turns out one dude was given oral sex to the other dude. Found out both of them were Catholic priests. Turns out the place that they're associated with has had numerous, numerous priests either thrown in jail for child pornography. And the way it described childs was minors. So you don't know what age. But also uh, having multiple uh, priests who have adult relationships with other males. Man, it seems like this place should be shut down, but don't worry. Don't worry. Cardinal Kupich is going to find new leadership and keep it open. Oh, I'm really over that individual. I'm going to be real honest here. This guy, this guy. I'm talking. Nothing but bad things, this guy. (laughs) Maybe you should step down. You're part of the problem. The late Cardinal George of Chicago admitting privately that a third of the priests in Chicago are gay. The priest in Miami admitting to the press that 90% of the clergy there are gay. It just goes on and on. I'm getting the old Voris twitch, (laughs) and I don't like it. I'm Michael Michael Voris. Luke, Luke, we've gone from the catching foxes hello where we tossle Michael Voris's hair and run away to now the Voris twitch where we all of a sudden start accusing people of belonging to the We're lavender mafia. Repent or you will suffer in hell. <laughs> yeah. But like I've been praying so many St. Michael the Archangel prayers for you, buddy. You know that at some point in time he went to his like staff and was like, we were built for this moment. I'm Michael, Michael Voris. Voris. Much of the clergy, including the hierarchy, is simply crawling with homosexual men. This is my moment, and I will not have any of you weaklings <laughs> getting in the way. <laughs> type, type, you fools. I have arrived. <laughs> this is a firefight. <laughs> Wait, that doesn't apply. Hide our anti-Semitism. <laughs> have they expressed anti-Semitism? No, Why no did idea. my voice go up? It's just a, a lot of rat treads. Not a lot, but... Every now and again, you'll get a really extreme, like, rat trad where you're like, huh. Yeah. Huh. Wow. Wow. The old uh, Bishop Williamson coming out again. Okay. Holocaust denying. Great. <sighs> yeah. The uh, Okay. So let me go back to this priest in Miami story. So they linked this priest to the Casa, Jesus, Casa, Juan Diego thing, um, up in the Archdiocese of Chicago, which is supposed to help international. It's like a ministry for international clergy. And uh, it's just been a place where multi, I mean, it's just awful. There's news reports about it. I don't want to go through it. But the idea is, look, here's a, a an institution that literally just was a ring. Like, we can point to an actual really existing, like, within a week of all <laughs> this stuff going on, we've been screaming and yelling about the letter and, and Pope Francis's silence, which is driving me insane. And then we have this, and you're like, oh, my gosh, look, it points right to this group. <laughs> like, we literally have this institutionalized, uh, you know, 
oh my goodness, just horribleness. I, I, it's crime. It's evil. I just don't believe. I, I just find it very hard to believe that Catholic priests who don't be who don't believe or actively try to like live lives that are not in line with church teaching can possibly be happy. It's yeah. like saying I'm going to really get married, but I'm not ever going to stop checking out other girls. No, it's like saying I don't like I don't like this person at all, but I'm just going to marry them. Yeah, exactly. I you know I, yeah. like. That's sorry. That's that's a much better analogy. <laughs> uh, when no, I was like growing, this. <laughs> yeah, this is—it's like you're a bird watcher, but you still kind of like fish too. Wait, um, when I was uh, growing up, I had very holy priests: Father Robert Dombrowski, Father Wenceslas. They were in a Nazi concentration camp, liberated from American troops from my part of Oklahoma. So they set up a mission church. Beautiful. They had to endure intense persecution. They lived absolutely sinful lives the parish then gets passed over to the diocese it was a polish capuchin franciscan mission church it then gets passed over to the diocese and the first pastor we had was father maurice a good irishman but uh definitely a diocesan priest the very first thing he did was knock out three or four walls so that he could have a bigger bedroom because the monks that live there the priests that live there um basically lived in monastic cells you could touch the walls with your hands outstretched, and they had a simple bed, a simple desk, and a nightstand, and then, like, an extra habit hanging up in the closet and some recreational clothes. That's it. Like, their closet literally had two items or three items. So they lived poverty. And I remember as an altar server going back there to the rectory and seeing all this stuff and being like, wow. And then I remember going back there when the diocesan priest took over, and he put in a queen-size bed a big modern stereo, one of those three-disc CD changer things, you know, that have the three slots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, remember those? Very nice. And, uh, yeah, the very the three trays, CD trays. And the whole crazy thing was I remember panicking for this priest and then saying, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen when the bishop finds out that he's living this life of decadence? <laughs> like, he just had a queen-size bed and a stereo. Like, that's all he had. And a little bit more elbow room. <laughs> But I was shocked because I was raised through these priests who lived extreme poverty. And, uh, and they didn't have to, but that was their vows. And they desired to live it because that was their vows. And then I, I just remember I encountered another priest after him who I did not like. I always gave priests the benefit of the doubt overwhelmingly. Every one of their personal flaws, I just, oh, it's no big deal, whatever. But at one point, I remember just dealing with priests, and I, and I said to my mom, why do these men, why would they give up marriage and give up, like, their own lives and careers and do whatever to not even pray? You know, like, like who don't even care about the mass. Like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, they don't, like, to, to me, a priest who doesn't prepare a homily even though that's, like, the very first thing he's called to do is, and I understand, like, you're getting called away and stuff like that, but this has got to be, like, the most shameful thing. Like, you get to take the word of God to people. And yet, you'd rather tell some Astros, story about the Astros. Like, we had this one priest, he would never talk about Jesus, but, man, he could talk about the Astros during his homilies. And you're like, well, all right. Why don't you care? Why don't you care? 
I don't want people to think we're trying to like bash priests or anything, but I, I, so I, I do want to include like. Does it sound like we're no, bashing? Does it no, sound no, like no, I'm no, bashing no, priests? Because no. I don't want to. No, no. I, but I that was so. my thing. Is like you experience holiness, like priests who actually lived out their vocation. Yeah. And you know, and obviously, I had an ignorant way of understanding it as a kid. I I didn't realize religious order vows of poverty, and you know, diocesan priests don't do that. But it just but that I, that was the first time that scales fell off my eyes and i was like not everyone's pursuing this stuff in the same well i guess my thing is just like you see so many people who work in the church in some capacity who don't believe her teachings or think they need to yeah be changed and i'm like get out why are you doing this like it's like you're cheating on your spouse or something you know or or like you're not being faithful to or like Fidelity means something. Yeah. And it's not always easy. And I'm not saying that you take everything on blind faith or we don't struggle with things or we don't express our, um, like, the pain that it requires to, like, follow the teachings of, of, the, of the church. But, like, it's there for a reason. Like, this isn't just, like, this isn't, like, a, I don't know. It's just like when the church just gets reduced to just like some sociological historical entity or if we just reduce Christ to that, then it means nothing. And like it just I just get really pissed off when I see people who right now actively live like have have to go through pain because they are trying to adhere to the to the churches um, to the to the um, teachings of the church within a culture that like finds half of her teachings repulsive and these cowards in my opinion yeah like who don't want to suffer or don't agree or like for whatever reason i'm just like what is get out just get out like so i get it just drives me it like it really but like they are part of the problem that's going on right now every parish diocesan employee cat like catholic school teacher high school elementary college whoever if you do not agree with the teachings of the church get the f out because it is killing us but like i mean like do you think like do you think and is, is that too extreme no no that that is one month ago i would have thought it perhaps it like would have been but now i'm like no that we can't like we, i can't i can't deal with this anymore shouldn't shouldn't catholics now i i think there is a a bigger tent than sometimes we're willing to admit. Yes. But at the I, same time, like, yeah. right, at the same time, you got to freaking teach what the church teaches. There's no such thing as speculative catechesis, people in the 60s, right? Yeah. Catechesis is the only thing that's not allowed to be speculative, Yeah, right? You have speculative theology. That's fine. That's why we like Hans Urs von, Hans Urs von Balthasar. But the, yeah, I mean, come on. That should be the prereq for applying. Well, you know, I don't believe the church's teachings on uh, divorce and remarriage, on homosexual relationships. In fact, I'm in two of those situations right now. I, I think I should go teach theology at the local Catholic high school. Yeah. Like uh, my, my wife's school, actually, in St. Louis area, they let go a teacher like two years ago. And, um, yeah, did not go well. Because she was living in an active homosexual relationship, but it's a private school, and they signed a contract saying, I will adhere to the church's teaching on these things. And uh, they failed. And so they were fired. 
And then there's an uproar. How dare you do this? It's like, th- what do you mean? We have a contract. They broke the contract. Well, like my th- the contract happens to be about moral living that you disagree with that you don't think is immoral. But that's not the point. Yeah. They still signed the contract. Th- there's, t- to me, there's a difference between I struggle with this and I'm, uh, I actively disagree and I'm going against this. Yeah. There's a there. I mean, and I think we all like. There's a real. I understand some people who really don't get why why women like why can we have a women priest? I'm not saying that that, that we. Sh- I I'm just saying that, like people are like. But like, what about this? You know, like who like are trying to like, really come to terms with that or really understand that. And then people who are saying that the church is evil because there aren't like women priests and we need to change that. There's a big difference between those two things. You know, and like one is something where I can go, well, I don't agree with that. I don't have that. I don't have that struggle, but I'm not going to fault you for having that. That is much, you know, but I am going to fault a person who's like not going to try, you know, or is actively going to try to change that. Yeah. It just, um, I, I don't know. Like, personally, I think one of the best things that could happen to us is if like, Everyone who's this way just resign. It just or they. I, I this is why like part of me hopes what's going on leads to a schism or something where it's just like the lines are actually Whoa. drawn. Like I, I kind of want that to happen. I want the lines drawn in the sand. I want to be able, like, like. Do you know how often I hear about good Catholics who are trying to like this? Is, this doesn't happen as as much any any like more, but for like at least the past twenty like, years or so. I've heard faithful Catholics mocked by people who work for the church. Mocked. Like how? What do you mean? What do you mean? Like, you know, because they're either char- they're either charismatic to Orthodox to, um, you know, them and their, like, big families to cunts, to cunts, they don't care about the poor, to conservative um not not taken very seriously seen as seen as like like burden um actively going like our archdiocese in the past the youth office back in the 90s i need to be really careful here but there no actually screw it i don't give a shit the active people people were discouraged from going to the steubenville conference like actively in the 90s discouraged people from going there are people in our archdiocese who did that yeah like what the hell you know, like, 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 what the hell? <laughs> like, are you serious? You know, it's insane to me. It's insane to me that that happened. And it's like shameful. It's like a shameful part of the history of my of my archdiocese. And I feel like we should apologize to everyone our age who was denied the opportunity to encounter Christ because these people like couldn't get a job anywhere. Anywhere else. Yeah, honestly. That's what it feels like sometimes. You know, it's interesting reading J.D. Flynn, who used to work in a chancery, and he talks about how, you know, we dump on the church so much, and he just made this little tweet that said, you know, while we do this, we need to remember that some of these people are faithful Catholics who have been plugging away for 30, 40 years in these chanceries helping the church run. And it is true. There are a lot of great people doing that. But there are a lot of terrible people who create fiefdoms, right, out of nothing. The Napoleon of Notting Hill, right, the, the, the king of the tiniest anthill called their department, and they bully and boss people around, which is 
why I have a bad taste in my mouth when dealing with the diocese, which is why a little <laughs> me and you got to a screaming match over it at one point <laughs> a couple episodes ago because the, what you are describing was this is how I felt. Here's a whole group of youth ministers who are desperately trying to evangelize the young people, bring them into a relationship with Christ and Christ church. That's all we're doing. And you're telling me because you don't like the organization, in this case, Life Teen, that it's attached to, and you don't like it for whatever reason, and your organization that you're attached to is gutter trash when it comes to the church, isn't teaching a single thing about vocations, about the sacraments, about morality. Not at all. I remember when I was a youth minister in 2005 and 2006, I was teaching about, it's like, the book of Revelation, natural law, right? This is the stuff that we talked about all the time, bioethical issues. This was our big Sunday life nights that we would have to build up a topic around. And then we have people, when I take them to the diocese, they're talking about not unity in Christ, unity in diversity. And you think, okay, there, there is a place for this type of stuff. But they never once mentioned Jesus Christ, I think, in two hours of a middle school rally. Then they had big liturgical dancing, and it was really frustrating. But in the middle of all of this, right, Christ was never once mentioned until one outside speaker had his session. And he was like the young, hip, new guy. And he's like, I'm just going to talk about the body of Christ and what it means for all of us to be a part of the one body of Christ. And it was revolutionary to have someone preach Christ in the middle of a diocesan event. Yeah. And there comes this point where you just have to push freaking eject and you got to get rid of it. So I was talking with this one priest. He said, if I fire anyone from my office, they will immediately sue. He said, but these are the most unhappy, unpleasant, unevangelized, unloving people I have ever met in my life. And they're in charge of the office of the new evangelization. He said, what do I do? If I fire them, we get sued. So they're, they're just kind of stuck here. And I said, well, what are you doing? He says, giving them less and less work taking on more and more work myself. And, and he's like, and hiring outside people like you to come in and give a talk and do this and do that. I said, listen, man, this is what's going to happen. You're going to have to shut the whole department down and reboot next year. I'm sorry. We're laying off everyone, you know, and this was months and months and months ago, but we're laying off everyone. Y'all got to go pink slips. We're no, going like, to try to, you I, know, no, I, I, I do think diocese have to, and I no, Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to say it. Um, I do think dioceses have to get bold. They have to, and, and it's really, really. But they are run by the lawyers. Um, that's not necessarily true. But I know what I know what you're getting at. Okay, it's it, there's a culture of re of repercussion of that fear of like what's going to happen if we do this and that. And um, but yeah, I wouldn't, I, don't, I wouldn't say they are run by lawyers. Um, the, the work of everyone within the chancery, but I think your point is well taken. And I, I but like w- w- that is, um, there are really good people. Like I, I, I mean, there, are, the bulk of people who work at the archdiocese are actually like really, really good. I think a lot of the, I think a lot of the garbage has gone away over the past twenty years, slowly. Um. But I think we're at a time where I think if this current scandal, if we don't clean up 
this crap, it's just going to get worse. You know, yeah. like, I mean, like, like really, truly, how often have we heard about gay priests or gay, you know, and, we, and like, I really dismiss that stuff a lot. And now I'm like, holy crap, it's true. You know, and it makes sense. Like, I've heard people, I just, like, some of the things I've heard some people say in my current job and in other jobs that I've, like, I, like do you, I don't think people really understand that at, Probably um, 98% of the Catholic high schools within this country, the, the like, um, teachers on staff who actively try to, like, live the faith are a vast, almost persecuted my, my, minority. Yeah. Like, yeah. I never experienced much of the persecution, per se, but I definitely um, knew it was better to not speak up. Because it was just going to cause a problem, and that's terrible, terrible. Uh, you would not believe the amount of people at staff at Catholic schools who are basically. Ag- I think, like honestly, almost all of them are agnostic. Probably, if I had to put a number on around like two, like two thirds or so, they might say they really like believe in God, but they really couldn't I like explain like what that means in any sort of concrete real way. Yeah. And so really they they're they're agnostic. They believe in some like vague God that they've just come to like uh, like unloosely defined through weak Catholic culture. And this is from my experience in Catholic schools across the country. Not I I haven't really dealt a lot with them here in whatever archdiocese I'm, I'm, I'm at, but when do we stop demanding change? Because one of my concerns is that with all of this, it's starting to slowly blow over slightly, as in, like, life is somewhat getting back to normal now. But if nothing happens, we are going to be in the same boat in another 10 to 20 years. Something else is going to happen. Yeah. The um, the line from from my town hall was this guy said uh, one man came up and said, "Listen, if we if if the priests are going to be okay, the bishops are, are going to be okay, but if we take away our money, it's these people here." And he gestured at the four of us lay people who were workers for the church. He said, "It's these people here who are going to suffer the most, so don't stop giving your money to the local church." And another guy came up a little bit later. And said, guy who's active in the church, not a, you know, not a spectator. And he said two things that broke my heart. Number one was, I would never let my kid become a priest today. I don't trust the seminaries. I would never let my kid become a priest today. Like, that's heartbreaking. And, and he said how heartbreaking it is. But then the other thing he said was, and with respect to the gentleman who went before me, I, only think, I think the only answer is to stop giving your money. Because he said, you know, when people need to build buildings and pay salaries for good people, um, and they can't, and the work of the church can't be done, the good work of the church can't be done, then and only then will it be loud enough for the cry of, like, we need a change, be loud enough that change actually happens. He says, you know, it's not going to happen any other way. So I am, I'm done giving to the church. And this one woman later came up to me and said, 
Well, I'm not going to give to the diocese. I, th- I do think it's horrible and blah, 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 but I'm still going to give to my local church so y'all will be fine. And I said, well, there's this thing called the cathedraticum, which is the parish tax that pays the diocese. She's like, what? On top of the diocesan service fund and, you know, various dioceses will do capital campaigns. I'm like, yes. Yeah, we pay a cathedraticum, a, a tax. And she just didn't know what to do with that information. She was like, I don't even, I don't even understand then. I don't know what to do. And uh, that's what uh, I've heard that over and over again. A lot of people are like, if you don't give them your money, change will eventually happen because the enough good people say I'm not paying for even the legit stuff, like putting lights on the parking lot. Done. No, I won't do it. I really didn't want to say anything tonight. And my wife made me come here. <laughs> She's been, we've been talking for a week now. And uh, we're beside ourselves. Um, I'm actually, I'm an engineer, so I think only in terms of solve a problem, take actions. So I'm particularly upset at um, what I think is invasive rot in the church at the highest levels. I have no faith at all that the Vatican is going to solve this problem because they would have already done it 20 years ago. I have no faith at all that the bishops in this country are going to solve this problem because the rot is in the Vatican and it's in the bishops. It may not be here, but it's up there. So I don't want a layperson committee. I don't want something from the bishops. There's no transparency. We're not even speaking the right language, in my opinion. We keep, I keep reading about, I'm done reading letters. I keep reading about sin. We should be talking about crimes. I sin. I sin. My friends sin. My neighbor sins. But I don't know any felons. And when you change the language and you talk about, and when you use the correct terms, and it, of course it's a sin, but we're talking about felonies. They need to be prosecuted, and we need some transparency. I will bet you there's a room half the size of this church filled with documents from canon lawyers that go back decades, and it's all secret. And when you don't trust anybody because there's no transparency, when you don't know who to trust, is a reasonable person going to trust everybody or nobody? A reasonable person is going to trust nobody. I don't have any faith in in any of these commissions. I want an outside critical group to come in and clean house. I want the problem solved. I actually go against what the other two gentlemen said, and I think that we need to stop giving money to the church as long as the church is rotten. It's because it's a universal language that everybody on the planet understands, which is money. It's a lever. It's the only lever I can think of that applies pressure. And clearly, there is not enough pain inside the church to solve the rot. There's a lot of pain, but there's not a lot of pressure to solve the rot. And if you stop giving money, you're going to stop giving money to a lot of good programs. And then people are going to get upset. And it's a terrible thing that I even have to say this. 
But when you want to build a new church building and you can't do it because you don't have the money, solve the rot. Fix the rot. You may disagree with that, which is most people will, but I can't think of another lever to use. You have to have a lever to apply pressure to solve the problem. My son is six. He has these qualities that my wife and I could tell at age five at least that would make him a wonderful priest. He's not like me at all. <laughs> he's generous. He's sensitive. He's caring about other people's needs. Other people notice it. We'll routinely say, did you see what Enzo did today? He would make an incredible priest. We, tell, we talked about, each, about this. I can imagine when he's a young man saying, Enzo, we knew at age five that you could be a priest. We knew it. We knew you could do it. But I'll tell you what, that's off the table. It is off the table. I will not trust the church to form my son into a priest as long as there is this rot. So I want transparency. I want accountability. I want an outside group to come in and, and fix the problem so that trust can be restored at all levels. It's not about this parish to me. It's about the larger issue. But until that happens, I don't trust the church with my son. Thanks. My problem is with all this going forward in a, in a good way, how does this not become like freaking gay witch hunt time? Yeah, yeah. How does this not become like Inquisition? It's funny. It's like the Me Too movement. I was listening to this woman who's a, a comedian. I can't remember her name, but she's been on Joe Rogan's show a handful of times. And she was talking about like a, a guy was saying something, a fellow comedian. He's like, he like touched her hand or something. He's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Am I allowed to do that? Did you feel offended? She's like, shut up. You know me. Blah, blah. And he goes, well, I just don't know anymore. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And she said, how funny is it that for the first time in the history of the world, you're now afraid of me? Whereas my whole life, I've been afraid of you. And women have been afraid of men mm -hmm. and what they're going to do to women on their turf. And I feel like, I feel like we're on the verge of an inquisition, but it's going to be lay-led. <laughs> you know, it's like, sorry, Dominicans, we're going to set you all on fire. And it's, it's like the vengeance, it's like 500-year-old vengeance of the laity on Torquemada or whatever his name was, right? And all this stuff, like... Like, up oh, now you're afraid of us. Now you're kowtowing to us. But that that's worldly, right? That's worldly. That's now we're going to dominate you because you dominated us. And Christ said, don't be like the pagans who wield their authority, you know, to dominate others. But rather the greatest among you must be your servant. Hmm. Um, you know, Pope Pius, St. Pius X, 1903 to 1914, he waged war against what he called the modernist heresy. 
and he demanded diocese to set up councils of vigilance to watch and report on the spread of modernism in each diocese hmm. and insisted on the strict censorship of like Catholic publications and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, have you found any priests even suspected of modernism? Put them in the lowest and most obscure offices. Like, don't even let them be seen. And Pope Francis said that the Italian cardinals, he said, listen, if you have a guy who you think is gay, do not let him into the priesthood. It's better to have tears in your seminary office than me hearing the tears of the mother of some victim. But how does this, like, it's not a gay witch hunt, or it shouldn't be a gay witch hunt. It's not gay people that are the problem. It's not homosexual men who are the problem. It's homosexual men who enter into the priesthood without ever desiring chastity or into sexual integration in any way, shape, or form. I will say this, Luke, and I want to talk about this at length at some future time. I think gays are going to save the church. Hmm. Should I just leave it there as a cliffhanger and we could talk about it? I think, I think chaste gay men and women are going to teach us what it means to have community again, what spiritual hmm. friendship is what spiritual friendship is because but they're they are being crucified right now um because the church only talks about families doesn't talk about single you know single people complain about this all the time but we kind of ignore them but gay men and women who are striving to live the church's teaching often turn to the here only at the parish stuff for children and their parents and here are these people trying to live a Christian life. And I honestly think the stuff that I've been reading in um, various publications about, um, about spiritual friendship is really, because, you know, I'm doing all the studying for the, the community group stuff that I'm doing with Ascension Press that I can finally talk about. But uh, the, see in the show notes, buy my book. The, um, <laughs> see the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> buy my book. Buy my book. But I, I was reading some stuff, and I'm like, this is exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. This beautiful thing of spiritual friendship. We're not friends anymore. And if we are friends, it's something separate from our Catholic faith. Or we're this weird little subgroup. You know, we're like the ultra-conservatives or the traditionalists. Or we're the people who love love and responsibility and uh, and social justice. You know, like, we're the, we, we kind of make a niche, and then we dismiss the other people, even though they're Christian brothers and sisters. But it's this notion of, like, true, enduring, fight for it, even if you don't even like them, spiritual friendship. And I don't know. The more I read about it, the more I'm like, this is what's missing in the church. This is exactly what St. Paul talks about and rails against, the lack of it. And and I don't think we're going to learn it through ordinary singles. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I feel like ordinary singles are waiting for the church to kind of present them with, like, hey, man, hey, woman. You're alone. You're not married, but you don't have to be alone. You know, have friendship. So, yeah. man, we've been talking a while. I'm going to have to edit the crap out of this. Can um, I have one more? How do you want to end? Thing? Yeah, uh, I think with regards to like, how do we not turn this into a witch hunt? Yeah, we have to go after the teaching, not the people. Now yeah. that might sound odd, because the guy was just like, everyone who doesn't believe this should be fired, <laughs> and I understand that. But I mean, like, if they're truly not going to like change the teaching. You know what I mean? Like it's it's about saying yeah. like this is wrong. This is this is wrong, and um, not um, and it's it's I don't know it's it's gonna be tough. But I I, I do think like there's a part of me that's just like there are souls at stake here. Like 
this can't continue anymore. Yeah. You know, so I, I, I don't know. And I, I think it, it should never be about, like, and I, I don't, and again, I know, again, I was just a guy who just said they should all be fired. Um, But if we respond with more policy, we're lost. I, I, I really, I, I'm just, I'm terrified that we're lost, that we are, that, 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 that the church in America will truly be lost in a way that it's going to take a very, very long time for her to find her way again. I think just because this has come to light doesn't mean that, like, it's going to, like, instantly be healed or, like, fixed. Yeah. And it could happen a lot earlier. You know, like you're saying, it's just, like, it's not magic. You know? Um, And uh, repentance demands change. And some of this, and I think, can I go back to one of our earlier conversations about the, like, Ratzinger stuff and the, what does, like, a smaller church, like, actually look like that's going to be really painful and really really difficult but we have to I, we I, like we have to do it um in truth and in charity and in love and with prudence um but it, it needs to be done and like this garbage that's there has to end so i might only like rephrase what i said earlier to like i'm not sure those people need to go but that garbage needs to end and if they can't stop proclaiming that stuff or wanting to do those things, then they do need to go. It's tough, man. Yeah, but I think the real answer is just if we just all did more journaling. <laughs> According to our book, if we were just like silent, we'd be fine. Silent and prayerful. I know what he's getting at. Ish. But no. <laughs> just stop. Just say something. Uh, so, how are you doing how, with all this? How are how are how are you doing? Well, today I had a, a really great experience. Uh, the guy that we did the town hall with came up to me and said, "Mike, uh, I think we should do a parish podcast. Uh, I want your opinion." I, what? Where'd you go, Gomer? And I was like, "I'm already recording it." Woo! <laughs> So now it's going to be a part of my job to do a podcast. How about that? There you go. And uh, one of the things he said when we were kind of introducing that we already recorded the first two episodes, they're like 15 minutes. Uh, he said, uh, you know, this is part of us creating transparency. So you, you need to get to know us. And I was like, this is. Look at that. And we're going to. And he said, what, what do you think should be some of our topics? And I said, why don't we talk more in depth about the what people said, you know, in the questions? That they asked us at the town hall, you know? And, like, why are there statutes of limitations on horrible crimes? And uh, why, uh, oh, what was one of them? Uh, the difference between sin and a crime. Um, one guy made that distinction uh, for good and for ill. You know, like, we can talk about that. And so we're, we're going to wrestle with some of this stuff. Obviously, you know, we don't want to fixate on the wrong stuff. But we also... Um, are trying to research victims groups to donate to because uh, there's a lot of crazy ones that are terrible and the, the money never gets to the people. It just stays with the lawyers mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited about it. So this is the first time I've actually had a smile on my face. But the sad thing is there's a group of us that we, uh, we're all on the same text message thread and we just send, like, journal articles and um, 
news pieces, essays, responses, you know, breaking news kind of stuff. We just send them all to each other throughout the day. I signed a petition. I did. I signed that Catholic men's petition thing. Catholic men's letter to Pope Francis. I haven't read that yet. So Yeah, I did. I I mean, I want to know. I don't want to believe the um, Vigano's... I don't want to believe Vigano's letter about Pope Francis. Um, But there's too many... There's too many questions. I need a like like my cardinal said, Cardinal Donardo, we need an investigation. These are huge claims. Mm-hmm. And if Cardinal Donardo is calling for an investigation, you know what my thought is? One of the comments that I heard very early on and heard unanimous, like, yeah, this is true, affirmation about it, is uh, that there is zero fraternal correction among bishops in the U.S., the kind of the unwritten policy is you go with the USCCB's consensus. You don't criticize your brother bishop. And I think that this has caused that to go away, or at least a little bit. So my hope would be, you know, but you, I, I felt like that when Bishop Strickland said, I find these credible and I want my priest to read this letter at, at all homilies this Sunday. And then the next response was a priest saying, saying that is schism. Uh, I, you know, I struggle with this because there's a very holy priest that I know who's a very conservative Orthodox priest who literally said that it's schism to demand your Pope to resign. Hmm. I mean, I wouldn't go that far. I think that's terrible. I should probably look like what the word schism actually means when I say I want a schism. Yeah. Well, schism means you deny the authority of the Pope. Well, that's not what I want. Right. So yeah. they're <laughs> saying by demanding that <laughs> by demanding. Yeah. So you break away from the official church. Right, because you deny his authority over you. Um, so you have your own authority. Yeah, maybe that's not what I meant by schism. You, what you want is a gauntlet. You want to throw down the gauntlet. Well, I want <laughs> fidelity. You know, like, and, like, this is the hard part because people think, like, it's, it's easy, especially as Americans, as we hate, con- as we hate con- control, to think that we're talking about intellectual um, domination. Censorship. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. It's like, it's fidelity. Like, I want fidelity because to me, it's like the church is committing adultery, practically. It's what it feels like. She's not being, like, like her members aren't being unfaithful to her. Right. You know? And it, it's like, I want, like. No, that's exactly what's happening. This is the scandal of church leadership who doesn't love Christ. The body rejecting the head. It doesn't go well for the body. Exactly. Yeah. And it's. And it's tough because for us, I think like we, it, it's going to come across a little bit like the Salem witch trial thing. But it's it it that gets okay. I'm not saying that it was good to like burn people because they were a, a like witch, <laughs> but I am saying there is. But I am saying power to the people. <laughs> am I right? <laughs> I'm saying speak speak truth to power. Um, what I am saying is never doubt. The genius of large angry mobs. What I am saying is off with her head. Um, <laughs> uh, bu- 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 what I am that, saying is if the woman had sex with the devil, she deserves to be burned. <laughs> listen, if she's uh, if, listen, and if she's not a witch, she's not going to drown. <laughs> <laughs> so put rocks around her neck and throw her in the river. What are we waiting for? <laughs> Sorry, no, it's actually if she like is a witch. We will know, and if she's not a witch, she'll be with our Lord. Win-win. Um, no, it burns. It burns. <laughs> ah, 
<laughs> wait, wait, wait. If fire burns her, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I'm totally confused. I don't know, but burn her more. I don't know, but she's a, it's it's not quite as it's not quite as hot in the back. Um, oh God. Uh, I was not a crude thing. I just meant like no. I know. know. I was just thinking like, well, now we got to make it hotter in the back. People tend to burn in the front by the feet. That's where like you know the front part. We got get all sides. Um, nice even burn. <laughs> even burn. You gotta, when you're burning your witch, you want to make sure you get them on both sides, just like good Saint Lawrence. He's just said. gonna suffer longer. Um, that's so horrible. <laughs> You can tell it's really late at night. <laughs> it's almost two o'clock for Luke. <laughs> I know. I have to go outside to be like thirty minutes away in six and a half hours. Um, okay. Uh, what am I trying to say here? Uh, that witchcraft, <laughs> witchcraft trials good. Witchcraft trials good. Bureaucratic boringness bad. <laughs> Fear of get, half the problem, half the reason why we're in this problem is there was people who were scared of getting it wrong. Yeah. And I think fidelity demands accountability. And if people can be proven to be um, un to be unlike faithful to the church, or or are admittedly unlike uh, unfaithful, why keep them? You know, and there's a big difference between those two things. You know, I know a lot of people. I, I know um, different people who work for the church. I get this is not just in my archdiocese. This is, this is across across the board. Who think, oh, then Luke means like this person. That's not. That's not. Uh, there's a big difference between a person who struggles or challenges the idea of what you think that looks like. That's that's not what I, that's not what I'm getting at. I'm getting at, at the people who say, you know, who teach at a Catholic school and say there is no God, or the Catholic Church is garbage, or I don't believe how of, of the churches, uh, you know, who are actively going against the church in some capacity. That needs to stop. Um, I'm terrified that no substantial change is going to actually go. 